Hello, friends, and welcome to Finding Om, a podcast about life, spirituality, and mental well-being. This is our second episode, and I want to thank the folks who have been listening so far and supporting us. I truly appreciate it, and I hope we can continue to grow. So today we're discussing polarization in the world and cognitive dissonance. Yes, these terms sound complex, but like other concepts, at the root they're pretty basic if we break them down. The reason this topic came up in my mind is the state of the world nowadays, and I thought it might be useful to discuss this. I do want to point out this is not a political episode, but we will be drawing parallels to politics as we discuss. Now, what is polarization? The type of polarization we're discussing is, quote, division into two sharply contrasting groups or sets of opinions or beliefs, end quote. And no, we're not discussing the polarization of particles in physics. (laughs) I know, big surprise there. But basically, polarization is what drives a group of people into two separate camps, and this can be on nearly anything, including politics, science, social justice issues, religion, and other topics. Now, the way polarization happens is over time. It's a gradual process that takes place over the course of an individual or a group's life. It can start pretty early, but it's important to note that as kids, most of the time we don't have extreme viewpoints or very black and white stances on big issues but these viewpoints are taught over time. It could be teachings passed down to us from our families, from books we read, TV we watch, or social media we consume. So one concept that has been discussed recently is the idea of filter bubbles. Basically, social media algorithms are designed to record what we like or content we interact with, and then the algorithm proceeds to curate the content so it becomes more and more narrow to our field of interest. We can notice this not only in social media, but in other places like if you use a Google or Apple newsfeed, things like that. In an effort to bring us news, ads, and other media more relevant to our interests, the process leads us to become more narrow in the content we're consuming. Now, ordinarily, if we're, let's say, shopping for hats, this might be a convenient thing, you know? If I'm in the market for a fedora, getting more information about the different types of fedoras is good. Uh, Are there different types of fedoras? I actually have no idea. Anyway, (laughs) that's a benign example, but the curation of content can sometimes be problematic in other areas. This is where polarization comes in. The obvious examples are in politics and social justice, both of which have been central in the news these days. As our content in these areas get more and more curated, our repertoire or stock of ideas or beliefs becomes more narrow and polarization in these areas can impact other things. For instance, this was shown by a study done by Cass Sunstein, Tali Shiro, and other colleagues where they tested participants in categorizing geometric shapes, and part of the task for the people in the study was to ask for advice from others. So, a very non-political task. However, they found that folks in the study tended to seek advice from people who held similar political views to them, and they were basing that person's competence in categorizing geometric shapes based on their political views rather than anything else. Obviously, this is a small example, but it's an interesting data point nonetheless. Another interesting study in the realm of politics was done by William Brady and colleagues who tested political messages on Twitter, trying to find which ones are more likely to be shared. They looked at tweets from the 2016 election, specifically those from the presidential, Senate, and House of Representatives candidates, and they found that tweets with more emotive and moral words 
were more likely to be tweeted and retweeted, and voters responded more towards showing moral outrage. So we can argue that these tweets are more polarizing on either side of the aisle, and they serve to solidify existing viewpoints further. So let's say we have person A who is a staunch liberal, their Twitter feed will be more curated to be along their personal viewpoints. Same for the other side. Now this type of polarization can be seen in a lot of areas. Uh, obviously politics, like elections of candidates, social justice issues like minority rights, and of course most recently seems to be the division between folks who are pro-vaccine or anti-vaccine. Polarization also implies a binary choice. It's either this or that, positive or negative, black or white, and it implies that there is no moderate viewpoint in the discussion. And we can see this in the political environment as candidates drive more and more to appeal to a given base, which may be more extreme rather than the moderate viewpoints. In fact, it's hard to think of any moderate political candidate who's won a major election recently. It's a strange concept because we're taught as kids that life is about compromise, sharing, and understanding. Educators try to teach us this starting as early as preschool and kindergarten, but it gets lost along the way to polarization. So why is this so important and why is this on my mind? Well, it worries me that we're becoming more and more entrenched in our individual viewpoints on almost every topic and that we can't seem to engage in any debate or logical discourse these days without the discussion becoming intensely emotional and just crumbling completely. Nowadays, there's also a lot of othering that happens, which is folks in one camp will regard the individuals in the other camp as the others and they feel like they have nothing in common. And none of us are immune to this. It's certainly happened to me, and I'm sure you've noticed some of that othering happening in your life as well. Now, before we were talking about tweets becoming more emotive and attention-grabbing, people responding to tweets expressing moral outrage, of course, these tweets being more extreme or polarized. And tweets that are more extreme will also put people on the other side on the defensive. Now, let's boil this down to a simple concept. Let's say that you're at a get-together, and you're talking about, I don't know, how delicious milkshakes are. <laughs> and let's say somebody comes out of the woodworks at the party and starts to completely hassle you, saying, oh my god, I can't believe you would say that. The amount of sugar in milkshakes is disgusting. You should be ashamed of yourself. You're going to get diabetes and heart disease. And, you know, I think there's something seriously wrong with you if you like milkshakes. You're going to find this quite offensive. You're going to become defensive, right? And nobody would blame you to respond in kind of a hostile manner, react negatively, and your viewpoint on milkshakes isn't going to change anytime soon after that. Basically, this person cannot change your perspective using this strategy. And unfortunately, this is the type of political discourse going on in social media. It certainly doesn't help that these dates debates ha happen across a limit of 280 characters on tweets, short 30-second videos, and quick clips of people saying platitudes. But getting back to the difficulties in changing our viewpoints after polarization, this leads us to the term I mentioned earlier, cognitive dissonance. Now, this is a stress we experience in our minds when we hear an idea or belief that is drastically different from a belief we hold very strongly. It almost creates a sort of a distress in our minds, and we try to resolve the distress by limiting information that disagrees with our established viewpoints. So, for instance, if 
I'm hesitant about taking the vaccine, I seek out information about the dangers of taking the vaccine and move away from information that is promising about the vaccine. There's a natural tendency to do that so that we're more comfortable and the information we see is more consistent with our already established belief system. So you can see where the problems arise, right? We tend to want to stay within our bubbles and not expand our horizons when it comes to ideas or beliefs. As a result, our viewpoints don't change and even the way we view other people with differing viewpoints doesn't change. And this leads to less compromise, less understanding of others, and less empathy for what others are going through. We've seen this happen over and over again. Less understanding and compromise in the political environment has sometimes led to entire bills falling apart on the Senate floor, or sometimes even shut down of the government. Such a lack of compromise that the system becomes paralyzed. Whereas if we had more understanding, things might be a little bit different. An example within social justice that comes up is Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem at a football game. There was one side that was so morally outraged by the action itself and felt like it was an action that disrespected the country and the flag. Meanwhile, there was so much pain and suffering happening in the black community that it led to him kneeling during that game in order to draw attention to it. But the moral outrage was so severe that even these core ideas could not be discussed in any calm or logical way. So at least there could have been some understanding in the debate, but that didn't happen. Similarly, after the events with George Floyd and the numerous other African Americans who were killed by the police, one of the terms that came about was, quote, defund the police. Now, it's interesting that the term defund was chosen, which implies removing a large portion of the funds, and even some discussing dismantling entire departments. Now, you can see that if you're someone who is supportive of law enforcement, perhaps you have family in the police force, maybe you're in the police force, things like that, hearing this term will spark some form of outrage, which it did in a lot of people, understandably. Even though a lot of the recommendations coming from think tanks were about decreasing police funding to pre-9-11 levels, the defund and dismantle terms were thrown around a lot, creating more polarization and division. And yet again, the key issues could not be discussed in a calm or logical way. Now, as you guys know, I like to relate ideas to spirituality in some way, and I want to talk about the idea of the middle path. As most people know, this is a key concept in Buddhism, and I do believe that this idea is important to bring into areas we talked about. Because if we can learn to meet people halfway, we can learn to understand them better, be more empathic towards them, and we can more easily reach a compromise. In the end, we need a workable solution to any problem, and reacting in an extreme way just gets the other side to shut down. And that's the opposite of what we want. What we want is free-flowing discourse and debate. After all, that's what democracy is all about, right? So what do we need to do? Well. We need to be more understanding of others' viewpoints and perspectives, but we really need some changes in the types of media we consume and how we consume them. For instance, a lot of folks get their information from places like Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And while I don't have anything specifically against the platforms, we need to keep in mind that they foster information in limited messages, a few slides, very short videos, and not only is our collective attention span decreasing, but these short bursts of information are not nearly enough to truly understand complex issues like, for instance, the crisis in Afghanistan that unfolded recently. 
one of the reasons I decided to do podcasting was because I felt there was a need to slow things down. And I wanted to engage in a medium that allows me to completely flesh out a topic rather than try to summarize it in 30 or 60 seconds. I did try to do some educational materials on other forums like TikTok, and I just couldn't get into it due to the length being so short. I simply couldn't get through a topic in depth. It's funny, you know, it gets me thinking about the presidential debates when a candidate has 60 seconds to respond to a question that probably deserves more like a half an hour to discuss. It doesn't do justice to the topic, and voters end up making decisions based on these responses. And that decision leads to who gets elected to be president and one of the most powerful people in the world. It's crazy. And look, I don't know what the answer is. But what I do know is we need to take a close look at these forums and think about changing how we get our information. At the very least, we can start small, by each one of us trying to understand other viewpoints better, seeking out information from folks with different perspectives than ours, reading or listening to in-depth articles about issues rather than short snippets, and accepting that we will disagree with other people and that's okay. Also, being comfortable with changing our minds on something if we're convinced by new information on a topic. That's very important, and if we all can be a little bit less rigid, we would be one step closer to compromise. I want to leave you with a story about one of my favorite spiritual leaders, Ramdas. At the time, he was in India, spending time with and learning from Neem Karoli Baba, a teacher and guru there, and... Um, Neem Karoli Baba said to Ramdas, Listen, Ramdas, love everyone and tell the truth. And to that, Ramdas replied, Well, to tell you the truth, I don't love everyone. <laughs> now, it's a simple exchange, but in that, Ramdas did a few things, which is recognize his own emotions, first of all, and recognize his own defense mechanisms in a way. And he really learned that he needed to let go of some of these things that were keeping him in a state of anger, irritability, distress, whatever it is. And letting go brought him one step closer to understanding, and I mean really understanding other people. And I just wanted to say that I know we discussed a lot of different information and I talked about possible solutions, but I don't want to make it seem like I know the answers, which I really don't. I don't know anything, honestly. But what I think is that if we discuss these types of topics and keep our minds open, we can potentially come to a world of a little bit more compromise and understanding. All right, folks, that's it for this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to collaborate with us on this journey of finding Ohm, feel free to email us, info at findingohm.org. Check out our website, findingohm.org, for more information about what we do. And... Love everyone and tell the truth. <laughs> As always, thank you for listening and till next time, friends. Mm -hmm.